Hey, welcome back. Uh, for the first time in 2022, definitely, but for the first time in a while, it is the 573 Report here on Power Mizzou, our regular Wednesday show. This is the one live show we are going to keep up throughout the offseason and, uh, and all that for you guys to catch up every Wednesday afternoon and talk about what is going on in Mizzou sports. We will get to that shortly, but this show, we want to remind you, is brought to you by 573Ts and 573Ts.com. Now, maybe you're a cheap person or a bad person and just say, well, I just got my family stuff for Christmas. I don't need to get them stuff again for a long time. But, you know, 573's got uh, affordable stuff all the time. And, like, you always need new clothes. You need uh, some T-shirts to wear around, some hats, some visors. So check them out. I'm going to I'm gonna bet that after Christmas, uh, you know, they've got some inventory left. They might be trying to make a deal so you can probably uh, probably afford – an extra few dollars for your family um, that you neglected all football season. You can make up, make it up to them by buying them a T-shirt at five seven three. Uh, you can go down. They are in Alley A between Ninth and Tenth Street in downtown Columbia. They are online at five seven three t e e s dot com. We encourage you to check them out either one of those places or anywhere else you can find them. Those are just the two places that I know you can find them. So we bring in Mitchell 40. Now it is uh Mitch. It's the Seinfeld edition of this show. It is the show about nothing because that's approximately what has happened in Mizzou sports in the last week and a half. Yeah, we haven't been on, on to talk with you all in quite some time, but really in that time, not a lot has happened. I mean, like, I, I actually think it's been since the bowl game, so that was kind of, you know, noteworthy, but we're not going to talk about that two weeks later. Um, so, yeah, not not a ton going on right now, which isn't the worst thing for us uh, sports writers, not 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 too much to, to cover. Yeah, um, and if you guys have questions, have things you want to talk about, feel free to put them in the comment section, and, and we'll certainly get to them, um, but... It, it and this is almost entirely because of basketball, but I, I we were talking the other day. It just feels like it's already the off season. I mean, football was over on December twenty second, and there's recruiting because there's always recruiting. But it's almost now like okay, well, spring football starts sometime in March. So, what do we do between now and then? And that is, <coughs> excuse me, I think reflective of basketball. I mean, they get drilled in the bragging rights game. They get drilled in the Kentucky game. Like the best thing that's happened in Missouri basketball since the last time we did a show, Missouri men's basketball, is that they weren't able to play against Mississippi State tonight. Like that's that's yep. been the highlight of the news the last three weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. Yeah, and obviously that game, uh, you know, they said they'll look to make it up at some point. I assume they'll be able to do that. We don't know yet about Saturday's game against Alabama. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's gotten to the point where – that was pretty much the the reaction to the news that they were going on COVID pause as well. Most people didn't didn't see it or care, and a few people were like, "Oh, cool, they won't lose." So, yeah, and yeah. and look, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because it, it truly is. I mean, I said this on another show I did earlier today. Like, I'm not comparing the talent and in and the coaching careers and all that, but just the attitude around the program and the lack of any caring at all like it reminds me of the last year or so of Kim Anderson I mean it's that level of just oh yeah I didn't really know they played yeah for sure and and like I can't 
blame anyone for that. You know, there's been times where we've talked about attendance and stuff like that. Like, no, you know, when you when you lose to UMKC, get blown out by Liberty, get housed by your two rivals. I mean, at this point, you know, I wouldn't expect people to to exactly be dialed in. Yeah. So, uh, but the only basketball thing, and we've talked about this some, I know, but not on this platform. So, really, the two games that they played in this break were Illinois and Kentucky, and the problem, well, A, those teams are good. Missouri is not right. particularly good. So that's that's problem number one. But problem number two is how they're good. They both have a guy inside that is very big and very skilled. And Missouri's approach is let's take the only guy who's really a good player offensively and let's put him on that guy defensively. He's giving up like four inches. Let's have him get two fouls in the first six minutes and then let's put him back in the game when we're down by 24 points. This, I, look, I've never been a Division One basketball coach, but this seems like a flawed strategy to me. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's been lots of issues, right? I mean, like, I, at last I checked, this may not still be true, but I assume it is. Missouri was worst in, among all Power 5 teams in the country in both three-point shooting offense and three-point shooting defense, which is not exactly a recipe for success in the modern game. So, like, there, there's a lot of issues here. I don't think it all comes down to in-game coaching or substitution. But, yeah, I thought the story, especially from that Kentucky game, was the usage of Kobe Brown. I mean, like, you know, like you said, they, they, they have to have him on the floor in order to play well. I, I guess I get why you put him on Oscar Sheebway, but I probably wouldn't have. But, you know, if you really don't feel like you have a better option, okay, fine. But you can't sit him for 14 minutes in the, in the second half. I mean, like, when, you know, and Mizzou actually made a little run with him out, and I was thinking, wow, okay, that's good. Now you can probably put Kobe Brown back in with, like, eight minutes left. You cheated, you know, you stole six minutes on the bench, and it, it's a close game. By the time they put him back in, you know, you're down, like, 19. The game is completely over. And, and you know, whether it's been it, – it hasn't mattered whether it's been Conzo Martin on the bench or, in that case, Cornell man and, and Cornell did say after that game you know uh, we felt like we needed to have him in the game to have a chance at the end well in order to have a chance at the end you need to not be down 20 I mean it's just pretty it just uh, it doesn't make sense to me I don't understand it no, there's been no explanation that's really made me even consider like oh that makes sense it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's the equivalent of losing game seven of the world series with Mariano Rivera never having pitched and you lost 9-2 because you didn't want to bring him in a 2-1 game in the sixth inning you know, I, I mean, I look, I'm not saying Kobe is Mariano Rivera. He's maybe <laughs> more like uh, Kyle Rosenthal or whatever the, the Cardinals closer was a couple years ago. But you get my point. Um, and it, it just it, it all ends up uh, like we've been asked enough and we've talked enough about this team and why it's where it is. Is it all goes back to the same thing. The reason Kobe is having to guard those guys is because the two guys that are actually tall enough to do it are a true freshman, and I don't blame Yaya Keita for not being ready to do it at all. Like no, no shade there. But the guy that's supposed to be doing it is legitimately Jordan Wilmore, who I don't want to say you could have seen this coming, but everybody kind of saw it coming, except apparently the coaching staff. And then, I, I mean, I think it was the Kentucky game where he played – 30 seconds, and he had two fouls, and to be quite honest, should also have had a technical for throwing a shoulder into a Kentucky player during a timeout as well. 
Yeah, it was it was potentially the worst 30 seconds I've ever seen from a player who wasn't t- just told to go in and foul. And maybe he was, but I doubt it. Uh, like, you know, you, occasionally you'll have those guys where someone's like, all right, yeah, just go in there and you know, use your fouls. We got a few to give. Uh, I don't think that was the instruction for Jordan Wilmore. It was it was poor. He, uh, like you said, yeah, he had exactly 30 seconds of playing time. No stats other than two fouls and probably should have had a third. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, with everything else, like it just comes down to the talent. It's just not there. Um, you know, there's there's not guys who can shoot. There's not guys who can create. There's not guys who can defend inside. And uh, that's a problem. Well, my, my favorite stat line has always been the one million, right? The one minute with no other stats. And yeah, I, I guess I guess for that a trillion. OK, I guess for yeah. that game, Wilmore actually got a half trillion. Yeah, because <laughs> he only yeah. played a half a minute. Um, yeah, he had like a half trillion and two because he had two fouls <laughs> at the end. <laughs> but hey, it, it, we don't want to ignore that there was actual good news in Missouri basketball. I mean, the Missouri yeah. women pulled off what I guess was probably the biggest win of the year by any program at Missouri in the last calendar year. Is that fair to say? Off the top of my head, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, beat num- beat the number one team in the country and in a sport where that doesn't happen all that often. You know, it's not like, you know, baseball maybe took a game from Vandy when they were ranked number one. So I don't know if they did, but if they did. Like, it, you know, women's basketball teams, the, the number one team does not lose very often, and especially not to an unranked team and especially not to an unranked team that is missing its best player and five others due to COVID. So, yeah, that was pretty remarkable. Um, you know, I, I admit I didn't watch the whole game, turned it on in the fourth quarter. And, and you know, you just kind of felt like when South Carolina was able to get it to overtime and then especially when they scored the first few points of overtime, like, ah, OK, you know, they gave it a good run. But I mean, for Missouri to, to battle back and and win it at the buzzer there, that was that was definitely remarkable. So and, kudos to, to that team. I mean, that last play was one of the best executed final plays I've ever seen. And on, mm-hmm. you know, men's women's doesn't matter. I mean, got the got the screen. Uh, Lauren Aldridge got the shot and it goes in and leaves South Carolina just not enough time to do anything, although it did take 15 minutes for them <laughs> to to not do anything. Um, but impressive win. And it, it really, you know, Robin Pinchton, I mean, uh, as as my late friend Therese Paler always used to say, contract year is undefeated. This is not technically a contract year for Robin, right? But like I came into this year going. I mean, if you really look at it, what has she done without Sophie Cunningham on the roster, right? What it, what reason is there to believe? Well, there's reason now. Like, the, this thing yeah. is – I think now it's fair to say, right, the NCAA tournament's the expectation. It would be, I think, disappointing if they don't get there, sitting 12-2. and two. Oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, 12-2, and two, um, you know, got to win over the number one team, almost beat Baylor. I don't know what they're ranked now, but they were, I think, two at the time. They're eighth in the RPI right now, um, not ranked in the in the human polls, but obviously, um, you know, that that doesn't really matter for tournament seeding. So, yeah, I mean, the SEC is a, a very tough conference, and I don't expect them to, you know, go undefeated through it or, or, or anything like that. But, yes, I would absolutely say it is – NCAA tournament or bust. And I mean, you would think that you would hope at this point that they're seated to win a game in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, Hey, if you can beat the number one team with only seven players, what happens if you have like 11 players, (laughs) including your best player? Yeah, (laughs) right. That would, that would be a, uh, a very good thing. So uh, yeah, just, just kind of hitting on, on some of the basketball stuff there and the women are supposed to play Auburn. Um, I believe that game's Thursday and as of Wednesday afternoon, uh, Robin Pinchton said they're, you know, as of this minute, they're playing. I mean, Mitch, I don't know if you know, it's apparently still March of 20, 
20 and we don't really know until we're 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 at game time if anybody's playing but they're supposed to play yeah we're back to this again yeah so we'll see i don't know um obviously didn't play on i think it was sunday when they were supposed to play vanderbilt that game has been rescheduled for january 20th but yeah i mean Robin Pinchon had a press conference today and said they're still on track. So I would assume that it would take some sort of new positives to pop up. And I, I didn't think teams were doing like testing of, of everyone. So it wouldn't make sense to some for so, something new to pop up unless someone has symptoms. But also, I don't know, because it sounds like at least the men's team has been just testing everyone. So, like, I don't actually know the protocols. Anymore. Right. Bottom line is we don't know if they play. We'll cover it. And if they don't, we'll continue to do nothing um which is you know like mitch said not the worst thing in the world uh we're gonna talk football here in a minute and uh i know we got a couple questions and again if you guys have questions please feel free to to put them in there or just comments or smart ass remarks or compliments whatever you want to say put them in the in the comment queue and we'll get to them uh do want to uh Quickly, again, tell you, go down to 573Ts, 573TES.com. You can check out their stuff. They're doing a lot of uh, NIL stuff for different Missouri athletes. They've got some Power Mizzou gear on their site. They've got some just regular Mizzou gear. If you're a little more traditional and you're not trying to wear a Power Mizzou, Power Mizzou shirt or like a picture with or a shirt with Drake Heismeyer's mugshot on it or anything like that, but uh, check out everything they've got uh, down there at the website, 573TES. Com. So uh, the way it's gone the last, I don't know, at least six months or so, Mitch, like football is is the top story every day. Um, and I, I thought Missouri benefited from the uh, ludicrousness. Is that a word? I don't know if that's a word, but the insanity of the transfer portal in that. I, I mean, look, I talked to the kid. I'm still not sure I completely understand it. But looking from the outside, you're going – Okay, here's Jaden Jernigan, who was, you know, fourth on the team at his position in snaps for a team that finished number four in the country. He played 48 snaps in the Fiesta Bowl, and now that kid's in the transfer portal, and he's coming to Missouri, and good for Missouri. Like, obviously, huge get for Missouri. I'm not trying to denigrate that part of it. It just kind of really exemplified to me, like, what is happening here? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you and I said, texting, like, it, it seems weird to me, but I also don't know what's weird anymore because we have, like, situations where, you know, the Oklahoma AD and coach are, are putting out a Twitter statement asking for their quarterback to not leave. Like, you know, all, all, I mean, you've got, you know, like, same school like, also then getting a kid who was publicly committed to UCLA, like, and then immediately switches to Oklahoma, like, <clears throat> Who knows what's normal anymore? Emory Jones tweeted a while back that he was going to transfer, then played in the bowl game, and now apparently hasn't even ended up in the portal. So, like, I don't know. It's wild. It is definitely, you know, there's a lot of, of new going on. Um, I, I think just ultimately, like, you know, basically if a kid hasn't transferred yet and hasn't used that one-time transfer under the new rule, you just got to kind of operate under the assumption there's like a 50% chance they're going to come back. And it, it may not even be like the obvious cases, like you said, where, you know, like on the surface, a guy who's played the fourth most snaps at defensive tackle for a really good defense, it wouldn't make sense for him to go to a worse defense, but it happened. Yeah, well, and, and I want to be clear here, like, I, I good for the kids. I, I think they should have the right to do this. I, I hold it against none of them. I don't feel bad for the coaches who make millions of dollars that they're spending the season recruiting their kids again. I, none of that. It's, it's all fine. I just think... What we're not seeing here, I, 
I saw about three days ago there was a tweet that some kid was the 1,000th player to enter the transfer portal. I know there have been, you know, minimum 50 since then, maybe more. So I'm going to guess we're around 1,100 kids. So I'm just going to run through the kids who have transferred out of Missouri since the end of the season. Okay, Daniel Parker Jr. started for Missouri. I think pretty much every game. Now, he is going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma's obviously a very good program. That's fine. Would you say Daniel Parker Jr. plays more or less at Oklahoma than he did at Missouri last year? I, normally, I would say less, but I also don't. I mean, their roster situation is a total is totally in flux. Like, I don't know what they they may have no tight ends. I have no idea. Like, that wouldn't stun me. But and also, I will say on him, it's a little bit of a different case because you know, like we talked about with like a guy like Mark Smith or Drew Bugs in basketball, like he's a guy who would be done. And I think who maybe the staff planned on him only being around four years, and it's like, okay, you did your four years. If you want to keep playing, you know, feel free to look around. It doesn't, you know. So it's a little different than a typical transfer. But yes, I. I it is also new and unusual. Staying at tight end, Messiah Swenson ends up at Arizona State. I mean, he was the third string tight end here. I think we can probably agree. Hey, good move on his part. Like, like that's yeah. a transfer that, like, you look at and say, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Chris Sheeran. Odds Chris Sheeran ends up at a better football program than Missouri next year. Yeah, I, I would expect he'll be group of five if that. Right. And, and now, look, he may play more. And, and so if that's what he's looking for, that's great. And, and I think the point here I'm trying to make, is, and we'll run through the rest of them in a minute, is there's different reasons for all of them, and, and that's okay. But I wish at some point somebody would tell some of these kids, look, the truth is it doesn't really matter where you go. You're not playing in the National Football League. Like you're going to play football for two more years. And so if it is important for you to play, that's cool. But I I always thought like coming out of high school, Hey, if you're a guy that has legit NFL aspirations, that's great. And a lot of these kids do coming out of high school. But the point is you really shouldn't choose a school based solely on athletics. And I feel like these kids now two and three years removed from high school are looking at this going, well, I'd much rather go get on the football field at a smaller school that might be worse academically than stay here and get my degree and actually maybe, you know, I and I know that's overarching and it doesn't apply to every kid or anything like that, but I just think that a lot of these kids are going to find themselves looking up next year and going, I don't know, man, I'm in kind of a worse spot than I was last year. Sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, you know, it's complicated because I, I don't know what every kid's individual scenario is. And I do know that, I mean, there were, there had to have been kids on this Missouri team who the coaching staff said, like, look, you should probably look elsewhere because they needed kids to, I mean, in order to bring in a recruiting class, they needed kids to transfer. And so I assume they were pretty up that, you know, uh, if they weren't that, you know, maybe they found another way to encourage them to look around. I don't know, but you, you know, they needed kids to leave. And so there, there is some of that. There are kids who are entering the portal um, from power five schools and elsewhere who are encouraged to, to do so, you know, whether it's saying, you know, we need the spot or, you know, you're never going to play here. So if you want to play, look somewhere else, I don't know how those conversations work exactly. So it's not just, yeah, the grass is greener thing, but yes, that is definitely a part of it. I mean, you know, when you're talking about a thousand kids entering the portal and there are a a lot of those who aren't going to have a place to play at the FBS level or the division one level, because all these places are still bringing in recruiting classes. You know, everyone's bringing in some th- somewhere around 20 recruits and maybe using the rest of the spots for transfers. 
And, and that's a good point. Like, not all these kids are transferring voluntarily. And so that's why this rule exists, that you don't have to sit out because coaches are shoving kids out, whether they'll ever admit it or not. But I just think that, look, if, if one of them was my kid, at some point I might go, you know, maybe whether you play football or not is not the most important thing in, in this decision. Mm-hmm. But um, it, just to kind of finish out, I mean, Ishmael Burdine ends up at TCU. I that surprise you at all? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I kind of felt like he had plenty of opportunities at this level to show he could play and didn't feel like he was ever quite there. I, didn't, I know he wasn't bad, but I didn't think – I'm a little surprised he ended up at a Power 5 school. Um, not totally shocked. Yeah, and TCU, new coaching staff, and and they're probably turning some things over. Uh, Jatorian Hansford ends up at – at USF, that one like made a lot of sense to me. Look, he's going to get on the field. He's back closer to home. He's still a kid who I watch his high school film, and I'm surprised it didn't work out here, but it never really worked out here. Um, so, hey, he's going to go play more. He's back closer to home, and that one kind of makes sense on all sides. Yeah, I agree. That that feels about right. Yeah, and the, the one today, Sean Robinson, again, like, is he going to end up in a better spot than Missouri? or in a better program? Probably not. I, what I'll mostly be interested in is, is he going somewhere to play quarterback? Like, does he want to mm-hmm. switch back and and get one more shot and one more year on offense? Because if that's the case, then, well, even if it's not the case, I mean, I think it makes sense because Missouri brought in a transfer safety, and I'm not sure how much he would have played here next year in year, uh, like, Six. Somebody posted on our board. He was in the same recruiting class as like, uh, I mean, guys who have been in the NFL for three years now. It's it's right. really bizarre. Uh, I think it was uh, the kid who Jake Fromm. He was in the same yeah, recruiting yeah. class as Jake Fromm, who's been in the NFL for a while now. But you know that one. Um, I, I'll be interested to see where he ends up. And the only one we haven't talked about is Connor Bazelak, who's visiting Indiana this weekend. And like, that kind of makes sense to me. That's that. Right. I, I look at that and go. Big Ten program that, you know, yeah, that uh, that's kind of – that was his game to me. And I think he's a Power 5 quarterback. Um, but I think he's a Power 5 quarterback maybe a little bit more in a system like an Indiana or an Iowa or something like that. Yeah, obviously, you know, I think a lot of people saw the Connor Basel-like transfer coming after he didn't play at all in the bowl game. Um, and yeah, I think that I think that a power five school will definitely take a chance on him. I mean, it's you, there's just not a lot of guys in the portal who you can find who have, you know, have power five experience and have done decently well. Obviously, it, it didn't go well towards the end of the season, but he, he's had some good games. Um, the, the Sean Robinson one was probably the most surprising to me. Um, you know, I granted he is, again, one of those guys who would normally be done. Um, so maybe maybe the staff you know felt like they needed the spot and told him if he wanted to keep playing to look elsewhere. I, I have no idea if that's the case. You know, maybe it has something to do with the rumor that, about Charlie Harbison leaving, which again, we don't know if that's true either. It, it's all a lot of speculation right now. Like you mentioned, he might be trying to play quarterback in his last season. Um, but I, I do kind of I, I would be surprised, I think, if he ends up at a at a comparable level as as Mizzou. And certainly he was a guy who Drinkwitz just absolutely raved about and just, you know, his ability or his willingness to stick around and his uh, his being a teammate and, and not transferring again when he lost out on the starting quarterback job. So uh, it'll be interesting to to follow all of that. Obviously, Missouri's brought in three transfers. They're going to bring in more. And along those lines, we're going to going to hit your guys' questions here in the last few minutes. And if you've got them, uh, throw them in there and we'll get to them. Uh, what remaining positions will Mizzou be looking at in the transfer portal in high school recruits? So in the portal, I mean, 
it seems clear to me they're taking a transfer linebacker, or if they don't, it's just simply be going to be because they miss everyone because they have offered a number of them over the last few days, and then they seem to, like eight hours after they get that offer, commit somewhere else. Yeah, they're clearly interested in adding a transfer linebacker. Um, you know, it seems like they've been kind of, I would say, shooting for some of the the tougher gets, you know, some of the higher end guys in the portal, you know, guys who are, you're seeing get like 20, 30 offers right away. Um, so maybe, you know, as it goes on, they'll circle back to someone. Maybe someone will pop in who's a little bit, uh, you know, more of a fit there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, clearly that's a position they're interested in. Tight end, um, very, very interested in. Um, we, we did see TJ Banks, who briefly tweeted his commitment to Missouri and then retract that and is now committed to Akron. Uh, he's obviously not ending up being at Missouri, but Jake Tonjes, Tonjes, I don't know how you say it, from California is still out there. Um, th- those are the two spots for sure. Now that now that Jernigan and the center from Buffalo are on board, yeah, and they they could take you know another defensive back, could take another offensive mm-hmm. lineman, could take a running back. I won't say it's impossible they take a quarterback, although I think at this point that'd be more likely after spring football and and maybe kind of see what shakes out. Uh, it, Mitch, I'm going to leave this one to you. I don't know if you have an answer. Depressed Mizzou fan wants to know how many Luther Burden uh, shirts he should buy to avoid him joining the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on that one. Um, I know that I know that Eli Drinkwitz and a lot of other people have said it's time to uh, for Missouri fans to wrap their arms around at the NIL thing when it comes to uh, that. But I, I just I don't know. It's hard to imagine that T-shirt sales would make that much of a difference. But it is a weird yeah. time in college sports, man. I right. don't know. Like you said, we, we don't know anything anymore. Um, Bob Douglas would buy a Mitchell 40 T-shirt if you want to get your. I appreciate uh, it. It's been a while since Bob's popped in here. Yeah. I was I was worried about him. If you want to get your clothing line going down at five seven three T's, uh, Kyle is asking about rumors on more coaching staff moves, and it, Mitch alluded to it. Like, yes, we are aware there is chatter out there that maybe Charlie Harbison is not going to be the. Um, whatever third safety coach or whatever position he coaches right now. Um, we're aware of the rumors out there. We have multiple messages out and we don't yet have anyone telling us that, yes, that's true. Um, now to be fair, I asked about Zach Woodfin at 10 o'clock this morning when it was told, no, he's, he, he's still here. He's under contract. And Dave Matter tweeted at 2 o'clock his contract wasn't being renewed. So, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly – we are not saying that Charlie Harbison is 100% staying. We just – look, the difference between getting a paycheck and putting your name on this and having a, an anonymous Twitter account is we can't just say he's he's moving on without, without knowing for sure. So, that's where we're at on that. Uh Drew wants to talk about how short-sighted and dumb the NCAA COVID eligibility rule was. It's throwing these classes all out of whack. Mitch, have we talked about that at all? Is that a thing? We we've, we may have touched on it, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but we agree, Drew. We agree. Yeah, but like to put it in context, I did the, the scholarship chart this morning after Robinson transferred out. And if, so we expect that – like we've got three or four guys on there who are not actually going to be on the roster next year. They're going to – be done but they haven't officially announced it yet so assuming they replace those guys in this class assuming Missouri goes into this season with 85 scholarships like theoretically they could have five spots left next year now look we know that's not going to happen there are going to be more spots but I see zero way Missouri gets to a class of 25 recruits next year I I don't know how it would be at all possible 
Right. I mean, we said it the day this this decision was made, like this is going to impact four years worth of high school kids. It just it just decreases the number of number of people who can play college football over the course of four years, because either right, either teams aren't going to be able to bring in full signing classes or they're going to push out a bunch of kids into the transfer portal. And like I just mentioned, there's not going to be room for them because people still want to bring in recruits and probably it's going to be a combination of both. So you just it just decreases the number of people who, who are able to have a scholarship in just because, you know, some people didn't play a full 12 game schedule in a year, but still got that scholarship. So uh, it just, it never made sense to me. And yeah, it's just the, the further and further away we get from it, the less it makes sense. And it's just also a pain for us because we don't know what year in school anyone is. Like, I mean, literally Martez Manuel and Trajan Jeffcoat announced they're coming back and technically they're only juniors next year. Right. You know, I mean, right. it's, it, it, and I do think it's important to point out, I have been wrong about a million things, but this is not hindsight. Literally the day it happened, we talked about how stupid it was. So I'm going to continue to pound the table about having been right about that one thing to cover up the multiple things I've been wrong about. Um, all right, basketball, we think, plays uh, on Saturday. Women's basketball, we think, plays on Thursday. I don't know. Anything else going on? Yeah, no, that, that's mostly it. Obviously, like you mentioned, when we have con- or if we have confirmation on any of the, uh, the coaching stuff, we'll get it out there. But, yeah, I would say, you know, just like a few hours before the game, check and see if it's happening. If it hasn't been canceled yet, maybe then make plans to watch it. If, yeah. if you're if you're into watching basketball at this point, which I don't blame you if you're not. Right. I read you lost your fantasy football matchup, so we can do a show about that at some point if you want. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not going to be ready to talk about that for a long time. All right. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think we're good. Uh, just wanted to catch up with you guys and, and we will, this is going to be a weekly thing. We'll be back here every Wednesday now that we're through the holidays and past the new year and all that. So, uh, sorry, Mitch, at least for 30 minutes a week, you're going to have to like appear to work a little bit. Oh, there's no place I'd rather be. All right. We'll talk to you later, man. Sounds good. All right. That's Mitchell Forty joining us for a little while. Appreciate all you guys who were watching and commenting and doing all of those things that we ask you to do. Um, we ask you maybe to hit the like button before you leave, uh, to subscribe to the, the YouTube channel and do all of that. We announced earlier this week, uh, starting on February 1st here on this channel and also on Power Mizzou, we're going to have a uh, weekly show with Mookie Cooper. It's going to run 10 weeks through spring football. Uh, talk a little football, talk a little bit, you know, recruiting, NIL stuff outside of football, growing up in St. Louis, all, all kinds of things. Uh, give you guys a chance to hear from Mookie and get to know him. Uh, so we've got that coming up uh, in the off season. And hey, it's it's slow, but it's not slow. You never know when something's going to happen. So if something does happen, we will certainly keep you guys up to date on that. Appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate five seven three T's presenting this show and being a partner of ours now for going on, I think, pretty close to three years. Uh, so check them out, Downtown Columbia, or online at 573-TEES.com. Again, uh, we're past Christmas, but that doesn't mean you can't buy stuff. Like, we're, we're trying to stimulate the economy here, guys. Go to 573-TEES and, uh, and find yourself something good. And uh, appreciate them being a part of it. Appreciate you guys being a part of it. If you're listening on the podcast, which I'll put up after this, leave us a nice review, say some good things about us, share what we're doing, all of that. We'll see you next Wednesday, but I'm sure we'll talk to you before then. Thanks a lot. Signing off here on the 573 Report.